The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. We're on a timeline for two things for sure, and that is the debt limit and also budget. We've probably been seduced by the notion that we can get off fossil fuels much quicker than can happen. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. Biden was as knowledgeable about the issues around affordable housing as anybody out there ever been around. Excess government spending always causes inflation. Inflation hurts the poorest families in this country. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. You can't script shows like these. This is why you listen to Bloomberg Sound On. We're live from Washington and we start this Friday. With breaking news on Capitol Hill, as Speaker Pelosi tells reporters they still plan plan to vote on the infrastructure bill tonight, along with a rule on the president's spending plan reconciliation, so we may have conclusion on at least one of the two bills that make up the Biden economic agenda. We may find out together here. We didn't even know it was going to happen an hour ago, as a few moderate members of the House objected to voting on the reconciliation bill without a CBO score, without actually reading it while the chair of the Progressive Caucus says they still now want to pass both bills at the same time. Been a lot of meetings in the Speaker's office, and we're going to get the latest in just a minute from Congressman John Garamendi, Democrat from California, serves on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. It's going to be a firsthand update on what's actually happening as opposed to what you may have been hearing. An important day for the panel, Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis with us for the hour, along with Kevin Walling at HG Creative Media. And later on this jobs day, we'll talk about the numbers out this morning from October, stronger than expected with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. It's been a busy day as well, an uncertain day in the U.S. House. Though we just heard from Speaker Nancy Pelosi, your timing in joining us is impeccable. The Democrats' plans for tonight from the Speaker. We had hoped to be able to bring both bills to the floor today. Uh, Some members want more uh, clarification or validation of numbers that have been put forth, that it's top line, that it is fully paid for, and uh, we honor that request. So today, uh, we hope to pass the BIF and also the rule on Build Back Better uh, with the idea that uh, before Thanksgiving, it should take another week or so to get the numbers that they're requesting uh, as, as I don't know, as that's how long it takes. And as we do, then we'll have a Thanksgiving gift for the American people. All right, there you have it. So they plan to vote or hope to pass the infrastructure bill tonight, along with the rule, as she said, on the Build Back Better plan, which set the stage for a vote on that legislation by Thanksgiving. And we're lucky to be joined now in the middle of all this, an exclusive conversation with Congressman John Garamendi, Democrat from California, serves on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. It's great to have you back, Congressman. Welcome. Do you expect an infrastructure good, vote good tonight? Good to be with you. It's going to be an, it's a very, very important day for America. We are actually going to do the largest infrastructure bill ever in America's history. Uh, this is so much bigger than uh, Eisenhower's uh, 
interstate highway system because this covers all of the various pieces of infrastructure that we need as the foundation for the economic growth that will come from the Build Back Better bill, which provides the necessary support for American families. It is a very, very good day for America. How important is it to pass this bill tonight? Do, do you have the votes? We will have the votes. Uh, we're very confident we'll have the votes. You heard the speaker, uh, Jim Clyburn, and the uh, the uh, Black Caucus are actually out beating the drums, getting people lined up from the Progressive Caucus. So the, the reality is we will have the votes today to move the physical infrastructure, the bricks and mortar, the broadband, yep. the water systems, the improvement, all of those things that are necessary, foundational, upon which the economy can then grow. So it's, and we're talking about tens of thousands, in fact, probably millions of jobs to do that physical infrastructure. And that's where the Build Back Better comes in because it provides the training programs, provides the child care programs, the early childhood education, and the Pell Grants uh, that are necessary for the education and the care of the families. And on top of that, you have the largest middle-class, low-income tax cut ever in America's history. Well, Congressman, it's interesting. I, I imagine you standing up there. reminds me of that song, Stuck in the Middle with You. You've got moderates on one side who say, <laughs> I need a CBO score, and progressives on the other side who say, nope, we got to post them, po- pass them both at once or, or there's no deal. What do you think of the tact of the Congressional Progressive Caucus to begin with here? Is, is that the way this is going to end? Are, are progressives going to vote for this? Uh, at the end of the day, yes, they will vote. Uh, you have to advance the Build Back Better legislation, which is the, uh, the the family care, the early childhood education, the other educational programs. Uh, and that has to be advanced. And so the vote this afternoon, first we'll do the hard infrastructure, then the vote this afternoon on the rule, which then sets up the final vote on the Build Back Better so this sequential, it, it is a sequence that makes sense, and it does, as the speaker says, give enough time for those who are concerned about the cost, yeah. which is the moderate caucus. So you've got to bring the, the uh, there has to be a level of trust here, and That's that right. is developed within the Democratic caucus. The unfortunate part is we do not anticipate any Republican votes for any of this. Not for the and BIF, not a Republican. It appears that way as, wow. of today, as of this moment. Now, what will McCarthy do? Will he allow his members to vote for the hard infrastructure? We would hope so. We would want it to be a bipartisan. We know it's bipartisan in the Senate. That's already determined. Right. Can it be bipartisan in the House? We'll see. But if it's not, the Democrats will do what needs to be done to build the foundation for American economic growth. Congressman Garamendi, lastly, and I know that uh, that you're in the throes of this right now, we're looking at images of reporters lining the hallways outside the Speaker's office, outside offices like yours, in hopes of talking to a lawmaker like you, and we're lucky enough to bring you straight to our listeners here. What is the actual feeling up there? Is this one of tension? Are people arguing right now, or do you feel like you're, you're on the verge of a breakthrough? We're definitely on the verge of a breakthrough. Uh, there is a high level of positive anticipation coupled with, a, oh, my God, we got to line up the votes. we got to cut this deal. we got to do it now. <laughs> and so there's a lot of pressure to get it done. And there's also, well, are the, are the moderates, uh, are they going to actually 
come along? Are the progressives actually going to do it? Yeah. I am convinced we will do it, and I'll tell you why we will do it. Because the American public needs to have it done. Is it an all-nighter, or are you about to get this done this evening? <laughs> well, I've pulled more than a few all-nighters here in Congress. You bringing uh, the cots in tonight? But no, I don't think that. But the reality is, uh, I remember the all-nighters in the day before the final exam in college. <laughs> okay. So this is the final exam, folks. So, we yeah, just... if we got to be here all night, we'll do it. But we're going to get it done. Excellent. Uh, Congressman John Garamendi, you heard it from the Democrat from California. That's the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee speaking there with the gentleman from California. They're prepared for an all-nighter. Whatever we have it to takes, we're going to get it done. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Congressman, for being with us. I thought he was already gone. You got I would, so, thank you. Thank you. Bye Absolutely. Bye. Uh, we're going to bring in the panel here because I've got to hear what everybody thinks about this. Does that mean we're up all night, Matt? What does that mean, though? We're bringing the cots in. We're going to the mattresses. Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis is here along with Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. Rick, a little while ago, it looked like there'd be no votes. Now we get kind of half the pie tonight. What do you make of the strategy? I don't know. I'm getting dizzy. I mean, you know, the president goes out this morning and says, you're going to vote on this whether you like it or not. There seemed to be like some momentum. And then, bang, Jayapal uh, uh, just torched it. And, and the moderates went out and said, you know, we're waiting for CBO again. And uh, nobody knew what was happening. And then all of a sudden there's this Pelosi press conference and this Congressional Black Caucus has come to our aid. I still can't figure out what the Congressional Black Caucus has done today, but they've done something because I guess there's <laughs> going to be a vote. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and what's really amazing about this is I, I, I got the impression from the uh, uh, Pelosi press conference just recently that they mm-hmm. actually don't have the votes for this right now. I mean, she said still they hope to, to pass it. Right. right. They're to, so it's another deadline that has been riffed with deadlines in this process yeah, that um, sure. could potentially backfire on them. And they're out for a week. I can't even imagine if they don't get this done, what the backlash will be like. Rick Davis is correct. They're supposed to be on recess next week, though. There has been some talk of people working the weekend. Kevin Walling, listen to Nancy Pelosi from a very short time ago when asked specifically, are progressives going to vote for this bill, for the the infrastructure bill? I do believe that there are a large number of members of the Progressive Caucus who will vote for the bill. That is my understanding. I whip the uh, members all the time. I have my own. Now, Mr. Clyburn has the official whip uh, count. Uh, I have the speaker's secret whip count. I don't tell anything that people tell me. Not even you, my dear good friends. Uh, but I have a pretty good feel. There's the little black book in the top drawer. Kevin, uh, what does she actually know? Or is she actually going to roll the dice tonight here? Or, or does she know that enough progressives will vote yes? Yeah, Joe, I think she is going to roll the dice uh, tonight. And to Rick's point, I, I'm just as busy as he is with all this. But, you know, I, I wouldn't count out Speaker Pelosi. This is, you know, the apex of her career. You know, two-time Speaker coming back. This is her key priority uh, before the midterms now that we're a year out. Um, so I wouldn't count her out with this. I do think, to Rick's point, uh, the votes might not be there, but she's going to roll those dice, to your point, Joe. Uh, and we'll see how that uh, goes this evening for sure, I think. Boy. Things are happening in rapid succession in terms of moving the rules package for a Build Back Better. Obviously, the BIF, 
Uh, it's anyone's guess. You know, I'd be interested to hear what Rick thinks, if any Republicans are going to get behind this. I, I saw Jack Fitzpatrick, your Patrick, your, your colleague, Joe, uh, yeah. saying that uh, not going to be many thinks that, that we might get a few Republicans. Adam Kinzinger from Illinois has indicated some support. I don't know if that fills the gap with what we're seeing out of Representative uh, Jayapal, but, you know, it's anyone's guess as to what is actually going to happen. I know the progressives are meeting right now. I saw video uh, footage of all their phones being checked in as they <laughs> huddle. Uh, yep. to figure out what they're going to do right now on the floor. Kevin Walling is with us. So is Rick Davis. They're going to stay right here. We're building the airplane in flight today, everybody. So you picked the right place on Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. If you're just joining us, welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we brace for actual votes tonight in the House. Votes on the infrastructure bill as well on a rule for the Build Back Better plan. And this all follows President Biden's direct appeal to lawmakers earlier today to pass his economic agenda. I'm asking every House member, member of the House of Representatives, to vote yes on both these bills right now. Send the infrastructure bill to my desk. Send the Build Back Better bill to the Senate. Let's, let's build an incredible economic progress. Build on what we've already done, because this will be such a boost when it occurs. The president was delivering a speech on today's stronger-than-expected jobs report, which we'll talk about a bit later on this hour with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. We want to go straight to Capitol Hill right now, though, and Eric Wasson, Bloomberg Congress reporter Eric Wasson, has been scouring the corridors of the Capitol for news throughout the day, and if you're not following on him on Twitter, then you are missing out. Eric, it's great for you to stop uh, your work for just a minute to talk to us here. It looks like we're going to get a vote tonight. I guess the question is when, and does Nancy Pelosi have the numbers? Yeah, you know, this has been a really topsy-turvy day. I, you know, we've talked a lot about Democrats in disarray. This has been one of the most incredible days I've ever seen as far as that, uh, you know, disarray factor. Uh, you know, Pelosi is calling for a vote on this bipartisan infrastructure bill. This is the third time uh, they've tried to bring it to the floor, but progressives are showing once again that they're prepared to bring it down. Yeah. Uh, she's going to be whipping the vote. She's on the floor right now trying to twist arms. Uh, they think they're a couple votes away. Uh, you know, big factor here is whether Republicans uh, you know, 10 to 20 of them vote for it. Uh, you know, there's going to be a vote on this rule to bring forward the 1.75 trillion Biden agenda, but there's no sign, uh, you know, that they're going to be able to vote on that anytime soon. Moderates want to see a full price tag on that, which won't be available until around Thanksgiving. So uh, she's, she's whipping it, but we, we don't know if it's going to pass today. As you mentioned, uh, Eric, we've been here a couple times already, uh, two, three times already. Does it feel different this time? Is Nancy Pelosi prepared to stick her neck out a little bit and actually bring this to a vote without necessarily knowing how many Republicans could offset progressives? Or does this come down to the math and then we'll decide whether we bring it to the floor? Well, you know, it would, I think perhaps it would be more embarrassing if she brings it to the floor, but maybe she'll do that. You know, the president came up here twice. I asked for them, you know, tried to pressure them and without explicitly saying it to bring this vote up and progressive signal they can't go forward. They're still trying to they don't trust that moderates 
will vote for their other social spending plan uh, without taking this hostage. Uh, There's a level of lack of trust within the party that's really uh, quite astonishing. And, uh, you know, I think that the president is calling uh, members of the Progressive Caucus, calling other members, went on TV, calling for them to to come together. Uh, This is going to be a real test of his leadership as well. Wait. I don't know what kind of an urgency uh, we have in the air here to get something done. Congressman John Garamendi told us a couple of minutes ago, Eric, that they're preparing for an all-nighter. Are they going to start dragging cots in? Is it going to be one of those, or do you expect we'll, we'll have an up or down on this pretty soon? Oh, I think it's going to go, go for a while. We're, we're just, uh, they already held the longest uh, House vote uh, in modern history today with the Republican motion to adjourn, and it was held uh, open for hours and hours uh, as she's whooping the votes. Uh, so they're already breaking records here on Capitol Hill. Eric Wasson, Bloomberg Congress reporter. Thanks for stopping down for us, Eric, for the update. That's that's the real stuff. That's real time for you there from Eric Wasson with us on Bloomberg Sound On. The president appealing not only to lawmakers, but appealing directly to the American people on this today. In passing these bills, we'll say clearly to the American people, we hear your voices. We're going to invest in your hopes Help you secure a brighter future for yourself and for your families and make sure that America wins the future in the process. Let's take another swing with the panel. Rick Davis is with us along with Kevin Walling today, our panel on this Friday. Rick, how much do you think the momentum here, if we can call it that, had to do with the president's appeal this morning? It was one of the first things you mentioned. Yeah, I think the president uh, once again has put his prestige on the line. Uh, we've seen this now a couple of times, two trips to the Hill, as Eric mentioned on his reporting, yep. uh, but two speeches from the White House also and directly calling members. I mean, he's got everything on the line right now, and it's been a horrible week. He got back from the uh, COP26 without really any tangible product progress, only to be met with a huge and embarrassing loss in Virginia's governor's race. So uh, I, I got to believe that this is, uh, in the White House's thinking, uh, the last stand. If they can't turn the corner today and do something so that it's positive in a, in a week that's coming with no congressional news, uh, yeah. uh, you know, then they're, they're really sunk for this year. And then it's midterms. So this is really uh, the president putting his prestige, his, his politics on the line. And I would admit, uh, I've believed uh, everything that Kevin Walling has told me about Nancy Pelosi's incredible Houdini acts as speaker. (laughs) But I'm afraid some of that magic is starting to wear out. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, though, Kevin, if this is the last stand, then we're going to bring this to a vote and see if it passes. No. This sounds like a real Western that's going on here. I think it is. (laughs) You know, I don't think we have any delays left. You know, I'm in agreement with Rick. It's been one of the toughest weeks for this president, although the job numbers were really good. Obviously, the White House is uh, taking the lead. With that, I'm really excited to to hear your interview with Secretary Walsh. Uh, And it's not just the president pulling out all the stops, actually working this vote. Obviously, other cabinet secretaries are. But I've seen him now, in a way, engaged on this that I really haven't seen before. Making these calls, he just called Representative uh, Jai Paul, within the last 20 or so minutes, uh, she was pulled out of that progressive uh, caucus huddle. Um, so I think this is make or break for him tonight. And this is a legacy making thing. Because, again, as you, uh, Joe, have been previewing, you know, we, we're out for the next week. And then we come back and we've got the debt ceiling debate again. That's right. Budget, uh, December 3rd is, is looming, along yeah, with holiday recess. Right Kevin Walling, Rick Davis with us for the hour. Our panel on this Friday We're going to talk to the Labor Secretary ahead and check traffic and the markets on the way. This is Bloomberg.
Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The headline on the terminal, U.S. job growth quickens as gain of 531,000 jobs outstrips estimates. How about it? As I read, the labor market got back on track last month with a larger than forecast and broad-based payrolls gain indicating greater progress, filling millions of vacancies as the effects of the Delta variant faded. President Biden addressed the nation after the report came out. Our economy is on the move. This morning, we learned that in October, our economy created 531,000 jobs, well above expectations. We also learned that job growth over the prior two months, August and September, was nearly 250,000 more jobs than previously thought. We talk about it now with the Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, joining us on this Jobs Day. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. Thank you for having me today. So the headline number on this report is far stronger than expected. The revisions are adding to the positivity, it seems like. The markets are reacting, certainly, with a nice surge here. And people smarter than I am are trying to write a narrative around this report, Secretary. Did the month of October present a turning point for the job market? I don't, I don't think I can say that yet, but but certainly the, one of the one of the I think one of the key points of this month's report is the growth that we saw was in several sectors. I think we we, we saw it. I don't think we saw it in manufacturing, business services, construction, transportation, hospitality, food services, and health healthcare. And, and we haven't had that type of uh, multi industry uh, growth uh, since I've been Secretary of Labor, and I think that that, that says a lot. Um, we also have yesterday was reported the unemployment employment claims are down. That's another good sign. Um, you know, since the president has taken office, uh, 5.6 million jobs have been added to the economy. Uh, that's 620,000 per month, which is great. Uh, so I think that the plan that the president laid out and his team uh, laid out in the beginning of his term here in January uh, is certainly seeing benefits of that plan. A um, couple of things that, that, that we still have to keep a real strong, close eye on. His labor participation rate is not moving much. It hasn't moved much in the, in the last several months. And one number that kind of jumped out at me this morning when we were going over it was about 3.8 million people have told us that they're not reentering the workforce because of COVID. Uh, that's a large group of people that would be otherwise in participating in the workforce that aren't. So there's still fears of COVID out there that we have to work on. I'd like to pick through a couple of those points with you while we're talking, Secretary. There have been a lot of questions about Workforce participation, as there have been for months, are you concerned this this number is not moving enough? And when do you think that might change? Well, yesterday uh, here at the Department of Labor, we put out an emergency temporary standard uh, for employers with over 100, 100 or more employees uh, that they would require uh, vaccinations uh, and test and or testing. Uh, not and vaccinations or testing, I should say. Uh, and, and and quite honestly, I think that that will. Uh, and the reason for it is really to, to create a safe work environment so people feel safe in their work environment. Uh, and, and I think hopefully, and we'll see, it's too early now, we just announced it yesterday, but uh, we're going to watch, I'm going to watch that participation number very closely along with the TTS as it goes into effect to see if there's a correlation there. And I think to some degree there will be some type of correlation. There's also an issue, I believe, with uh, adequacy, adequ- uh, accessing childcare. 
Uh, we saw uh, in this the month's number, um, women made up half of the job gains. And I was asked the question earlier, why is that the case? And I, w- I would make an assumption it's because school started uh, and, and it freed up families and mothers to be able to get back to the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, many mothers don't have school-age children. They have younger children. So those, those families are still struggling with what do we do now and the cost they're paying for child care is exorbitant. And that's why the Build Back Better reconciliation plan is so important, because it does address this issue directly on. Well, if COVID is, is still such a factor, uh, Secretary, Will employer mandates the vaccine requirements that that you are working with now for companies, 100 employees and larger, help to bring more workers back? You know, I think it will. And just to be clear, what we did yesterday is not a mandate. Uh, Workers have the choice to get vaccinated or undergo weekly testing. Um, However, if you look at companies that have put in mandates um, for vaccines uh, prior to what we did yesterday, um, the compliance rate is high. Uh, of people getting vaccinated. And, and we're not seeing large amounts of people leave the workforce because of vaccines. We're seeing large amounts of people not going back to the workforce because of COVID. If Congress finally passes infrastructure and the president's spending plan, as he just called for in his address on the jobs report, Secretary Walsh, what will it mean for the job market? We're talking potentially about thousands of construction projects getting underway. Yeah, what it means is it's going to keep a strong pipeline as we move into 2022 and 2023 and 2024. Uh, it's going to keep the economy in, in a strong way, at least on the on the, the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill piece of it moving forward. Uh, we're talking about replacing lead pipes. We're talking about um, bringing clean drinking water to all homes in America. We're talking about broadband into homes in rural America. We're talking about roads and bridges, reconstruction. We're talking about electric charging stations. So on the physical side, it's an investment that's long overdue. On the on on the on the build back better reconciliation side, it means we can we can finally address childcare in this country and allow families the opportunity that earn under three hundred thousand uh, dollars a year uh, to not have to pay for 20, 30, 40, 50 percent of their salary for childcare. Uh, there's there's a cap at seven percent, and it allows us the opportunity also to invest in folks that work in that industry that quite honestly can't make can't can't make ends meet, even though they're qualified, they're great, they're wonderful with our kids. But they can't they can't raise a family that that allows us the opportunity to help them lift their wages. So there's lots of great opportunity, in my opinion, in these two bills. And there's other things as well in in, in the reconciliation package that that I could get into. But I think in that area is the theme of today. I think it it would be a huge support for, for the American worker. I hear, Secretary, from Republicans almost daily on this program about inflation, and and they use that as an argument against passing this legislation. President Biden uses it as an argument for passing this legislation. I just wonder, from your perch at labor, wages have been surging through the year. Do you see them keeping up with inflation? Well, I, I mean, I think we haven't gotten there yet, all right, and we're still working towards that. But I will say this, these investments, that, that we want to make in, in American people and infrastructure are long overdue. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Je- Treasury Yellen uh, is working on, on the inflation numbers and she's talking about how do we, how do we level that off and how do we make sure that, that we bring inflation down and how do we make sure that it doesn't uh, price families out of their homes, number one. But number two, the other side, the, these investments we want to make, American people deserve the investments that are in front of Congress now. I don't know how anyone can look at their, their constituents in the face and say, listen, I'm going to vote against family leave. I'm going to vote against child care. I'm going to vote against investments in, in, in universal pre-kindergarten. I'm going to, uh, you know, not, not, not invest in, in workforce development. These are all things that American people deserve and they should get. And, and a large majority of the American people support these investments. 
And, and I think that we have to do what, once these bills pass, explain to people what these these, these investments can be transformative for, for the American worker right now that's struggling to make ends meet out there. And they're saying, wait a second, no one's helping me. These investments help those people. Secretary Walsh, appreciate your time with us today on Bloomberg Radio. All right, my friend. Thank you. It's a better report than we've probably had a chance to discuss with the Labor Secretary and glad he could join us today on this Jobs Day. But as you just heard, you can't talk about jobs with the conversation not ending up, sorry for the double negative, on infrastructure. Labor Secretary doing the rounds today, just as President Biden was making the case for the House to pass the plan. And if you're playing along in your home game, we are updating you. There could be a vote tonight. The BIF infrastructure. That's what Speaker Nancy Pelosi said. Also vote on a rule over the better uh, Build Back Better plan. That would bring us to maybe passage around Thanksgiving is the idea. We'll update you and get analysis from our panel coming up once again. We'll have Rick Davis, Kevin Walling with us on Sound On. We'll check traffic and markets, too. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They've got plans tonight in the House, as we've been reporting on Bloomberg's Speaker Nancy Pelosi calling for actual votes on the president's economic agenda. She spoke with reporters a short time ago. So today uh, we hope to pass the BIF and also the rule on Build Back Better uh, with the idea that uh, before Thanksgiving, it should take another week or so to get the numbers that they're requesting. So pass the BIF and the rule. That's the plan. But are the votes there? As I read the headline on the terminal, Pelosi pushes for infrastructure vote as Biden plan delayed. And we reassemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis is with us for the hour, along with Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. How long uh, do we drag this out, Rick? You, we're, we're talking about the possibility of an all-nighter here, but how long can Nancy Pelosi hold lawmakers hostage on this bill before everybody goes home for a recess? Well, that may ultimately be her best strategy, which is just keep them there until yeah. they get so pained. I mean, every one of these members had plans for the recess week. Uh, they want to get back. They want to you know, talk to their political operations after a very divisive uh, election cycle where Democrats mm-hmm. are on defense. So um, they, maybe maybe she just cold sweats them long enough to say that <laughs> she's going to keep this thing open until until they go. I, I did think it was interesting that they had to scramble today after the Republicans uh, put on a motion to adjourn and they didn't have the votes to actually beat it back. Uh, that would have been a huge oh, embarrassment for yeah. the president and for uh, the speaker, but um, she owns the clock. And as long as that clock is in her hands, she can keep these folks here as long as she wants. And until she gets those votes, uh, I would think she's she's not letting anybody go home. Kevin Walling, uh, we heard from the president earlier on jobs. We just heard from Secretary Marty Walsh here on jobs. Uh, This should have been a big day, right, to celebrate this much stronger than expected jobs report. People looking uh, for things to complain about, we're having trouble finding them inside uh, all of the internal numbers. Uh, and he turned the conversation, Secretary Walsh, to infrastructure, much like Joe Biden did today at the White House. Why not stop and celebrate this number? Uh, it's a good question, Joe. I, I think I would have done that. I, I think they're making the plan and the play uh, to uh, harness these great numbers. And 
And not just the numbers out, obviously, for uh, the month of October, 531,000 new jobs, but also, you know, what goes underreported is the adjustments that are made after the fact, too, in terms of yeah, we've seen another 200,000 or so jobs in previous months as well. So all the trend lines are in the right direction. I think they made the gambit that, okay, let's get a positive news cycle under our belts after, you know, a really bruising week that Rick was talking about uh, with the president's overseas travel, obviously with Virginia and a really close election in, in New Jersey. Um, so I, I think they wanted to push some momentum here. Uh, it seems like the president is still not wheels up. I think he was uh, planning on traveling to uh, the summer White House uh, in my hometown, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Uh, <laughs> they're still at the White House working uh, the yeah. votes on this. Uh, and it's anyone's guess, you know, in this kind of war of attrition now, votes of attrition, to Rick's point, keeping them here. A lot of, you know, a lot of the uh, other kind of reported stories, too, are not just folks going back to their districts, but there's a lot of actual codels that are scheduled for next week as well in terms of members traveling overseas. International that, travel, yeah. With Senator McCain as well. And that's even more in question because that's a lot of overseas travel and logistics with that um, uh, to, to kind of think through those ramifications of, of votes through the weekend. So another real kind of deadline to, to, to consider here. Rick, it's, that's tough. This should have been a really good news day for this White House. But we're not talking about jobs. Granted, the market rallied today, but we're not talking about this jobs report on the political program on Bloomberg Radio. We're talking about whether or not this bill can pass again, like nothing has changed. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's a missed opportunity, but this overshadows the congressional effort to pass trillions of dollars of spending, overshadows uh, uh, one month of a good jobs report. Um, uh, obviously, Democrats are doing the best job they can to try and spin it into like this is why we need uh, yeah. the, um, the 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 bills to be signed and, and voted into law. But uh, what's interesting is um, when you really boil it down, uh, uh, they they've got a big gap of people who are uh, just sort of sitting on the sidelines. I think Marty Walsh said 3.8 million people That's right. uh, who aren't going back to the workforce because of COVID. Uh, even if they pass these bills, you're still going to have trucking shortages, you know, backups at the ports, all the problems that we've been talking about for the last month on supply chains falling apart. Um, uh, you need those 3.8 million people back in the workforce. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and everything always gets back to COVID. We've been talking about this for two years That's almost right. now. But, uh, but, you know, that's still the number one issue that is haunting the Biden administration right now. Well, we talked about the I know they don't like to use the word mandates, uh, Kevin, but the requirement, the new vaccine requirements, they actually put this together at last in an OSHA rule that won't actually take effect until the beginning of the year. Right. So is that what finally fills these jobs? Does that bring people out of their home and back into the workplace? Yeah, I think so, to some degree. I mean, that's actually one of the really strong positive uh, stories coming out of this White House is the sheer number uh, uh, with regards to that those vaccination levels. So 80 percent of Americans have at least that one dose, about 70 percent or so uh, are fully vaccinated. Obviously, the booster rollout is still uh, progressing. But I think that, you know, the, this administration, more than anything, has been focused maybe to a detriment in terms of the economy and, and not really tackling inflation as early as it could have in supply chain issues, to Rick's point. Uh, this White House has been focused like a laser on the COVID crisis, on vaccinations, hammering home uh, these mandates uh, coupled with testing. Um, so all indications are, you know, once we get this crisis under control and we're mm -hmm. all headed in the right direction, my, you know, the towns around me, Virginia's, uh, you know, taking back the mask mandates, Montgomery County, all around the DMV for many of the folks listening are scaling back those mandates. That's a really good thing with regards to masking. Um, so all indications are we're heading in that, that direction correctly with that OSHA ruling 
with uh, more of these uh, larger and, and small businesses moving forward with some semblance of uh, some mandates coupled with testing. Um, you know, I think yeah. you saw a lot of pushback in right wing media about mandates and stuff like that on Fox News, where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, that has really become a nothing burger with regards to some of the police and firefighters <laughs> and stuff like that. The real small number of folks that are holding out, actually the majority of them are, are actually moving forward. I saw Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania said if you're a state employee, you can have five days off if you're, you're you know, one of these vaccine uh, holdouts. I think that might move the, the ball down the field even more than mandates. Five days off for, as, for a state employee sounds pretty good to me. Well, I'll tell you, there. Although we still have some issues in New York City with uh, with municipal workers on unpaid leave, but that's a whole different story. I do want to do want to ask you about the life of Senator Joe Manchin. As we talk to the panel here, he's not making a lot of friends uh, pretty much anywhere, as I can see, including when he tries to get get up uh, in the morning and go to his car. Did you guys see this? We've witnessed a couple of these uh, in-person attacks by protesters. At one point, they followed Kirsten Cinema into a bathroom stall. And in this particular case, it's from a group called Hunger Strike for Climate Justice. As I read, we're here at sunrise at Senator Joe Manchin's dock. They went over to where the houseboat is, home to his $5 million houseboat. And, you know, they're surrounding him as he's walking out of the boat on his way to the car. Listen to this. Serious. They're chanting, we want to live. They write, Manchin's dock, home to his $5 million houseboat, bought by fossil fuel money. As I read from the tweet, to call out his greed and corruption that is torching our future. Rick Davis, they followed him all the way down into the garage. He got into his car, and they're laying on the roof of the car to try to keep him from leaving the wharf parking garage not far from where I am sitting. This kind of stuff, it said, we demand Senate Democratic leadership remove Joe Manchin from his position as chair of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Is this just a symptom of the debate taking so long or maybe too long? Or is this simply the political world that we're living in now? If you're a member of Congress, you should assume that you'll be accosted on the street, at the restaurant, in the bathroom. Yeah, this is nothing new. I mean, you know, we had the pink ladies in the old days during the Iraq and Afghanistan war that would, you know, do the same things. Look, I mean, this is what makes the country interesting, right? (laughs) I mean, if he didn't have protesters laying on his car, what would we do for entertainment in this town? (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) And and so, like, I'm for it. I I love protesting. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's so uniquely American, right? In other countries, they just get locked up and, you know, Manchin (laughs) would have no problem getting to his car. And so, like, we got to celebrate this kind of activity. Wow. The, bad, the bad news is, you know, that 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 poor majority leader Schumer's got to like, you know, deal with the aftermath of this, which is a really right. pissed off mansion who's <laughs> desperately get, trying to get his vote for these things. And he's not there, he's not getting in a good mood when he gets to the office after that. I yeah, mean, the, well, the, I'm sure. So it looked too happy behind the wheel of that car as they're laying on on the hood there. But I think the hippie side, Rick Davis's hippie side, is coming out a little bit here. This is a whole different part of Rick Davis. Do you agree, Kevin? Is this safe uh, uh, for everybody? I mean, I, I have to admit, when I saw the video, I would have been pretty freaked out if I was Joe Manchin. Who knew that Rick Davis was such a flower child protester? I'm I love not, it. I'm I love this. What an hour this has been. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it doesn't obviously, you know further the ball down the field with these folks and again following uh, you know a woman into a bathroom and screaming at her behind a stall is you know a criminal to some degree so there are uh, lines and, you're and again, saying it, yeah a hundred percent i'm all about i'm all about protest too with rick in terms of you know the great elements of the labor movement and take to the street you know you saw the, the the empowerment of the women's march in the wake of donald trump's election that's great that energy harness that energy 
again, mounting the man's car, you know, attacking his boat, you know, I don't think that's a winning strategy to actually getting his boat <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. It actually worked out pretty well when uh, when the protesters used rafts and canoes, and they seemed to have a more cordial conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with Rick Davis. Grab your pitchforks and ride to the sound of the guns. Rick Davis, Kevin Walling, great analysis and a lot of information on the broadcast today. Let's see if we get a vote. And stay with us to find out on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Joe Matthew. Have a great weekend. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.